Well, okay. So what you're saying <laughs> so is how that was a, your week? <laughs> a planner position might be opening up down there? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Oh, you want my resume? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you really want to come back to this bullshit? Uh, well, you know, it might be better. Uh-oh. <sighs> dance, monkey, dance. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm enjoying the fall weather. It's only about 90 today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So you get, what, two days of fall and then it goes to second summer, right? Yep. Second summer and then three days of winter <laughs> and then pre-summer <laughs> and summer. Yeah. Good times. But but think of all the good stuff about Florida. I'll give you a second, but like think of all the good stuff. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, no state tax. True. True. Uh, you don't have to pay pay like those bullshit like vehicle tax assessment things every year. True. There's a couple things. You know, you get palm trees. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Hurricanes. Yeah. Better than wildfires. Yeah, well. California seems like a fucked up place right now. Yes. You you know that friends of ours were evacuated. I I knew the area, but I didn't know who had been sent away. Yeah, they were they were told to leave. Oh. Okay. Haven't heard anything since, so. I'm I'm sure they left though, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's all that's important. Shit can be replaced. That's it. Yep. Hopefully, they have some kind of insurance. Yes. I guess I was just shocked to learn how close it was to like L.A. Yeah. Um, my friend in Burbank said the fires were about 16 miles away. Jesus Christ. That's pretty fucking close. Yeah. She says the entire house smells like smoke. Hmm. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing says, you know, California living like wildfires and earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, good times. Um, so I, you, you had gotten on me last week about seeing, not seeing Batwoman. Yes. I, I watched it last week. And they uh, they played it after the flash on like a yes, like a encore type thing. So I was like, oh, yep. good. That's perfect. I'll just watch it after that. Yeah. Didn't like it. It's not that I didn't like it. It felt very disjointed. It's Okay. I don't know if it's a, if it's an issue of it being a CW show or if it's an issue of resting on the laurels of the Batman lore, but 
it just uh-huh. felt very like rushed and it moves very quickly but like there's a reveal at the end of who the who the um I don't want to say bad guy cuz it's not a guy the bad woman is mm-hmm. and but like as soon as they showed her and the like the very beginning is about the car crash with the sister and the mother like it wasn't really hard to put it together and I felt like they didn't necessarily have to carry that to the end of the season but like maybe another episode Hmm. to get to the fact of who this person is I think they're worried that they're not going to get the viewership right off. So they're trying to make it as, as fast as possible to get into the story. See, but then I would have preferred, we've already met Batwoman in the crossover last year where she's established and like, she's been fighting crime for a while. Why can't we start there? And through flashbacks or trying to figure out who the, who Alice is, tell the story of how she becomes Batwoman. Mm -hmm. Like it's very weird to go back now and say, okay, here's why she puts the suit on. And it's, and I guess Bruce Wayne has like a second mini Batcave at Wayne tower. Apparently. And the only one that's working in the Wayne tower is Lucius Fox's kid, which seems yep. kind of like a dead end career <laughs> for somebody that's supposed to be really smart. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Give it time. Okay. We'll see what happens. I mean, I will, I will watch the, the upcoming episodes and see where it goes, but uh, it, it was, it seemed very heavy handed in a bunch of the story aspects. Okay. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a young female lesbian, so maybe I'm not the right person to be <laughs> judging this, but okay. You know, it's still the, the cringy, the, the cringy lines of like the suit is perfect. Well, it will be when it's fits a woman. when it fits yeah. a woman. It, uh, I don't feel like that's, uh, I don't know. I feel like they're saying that just to prove a point mm-hmm. instead of telling a good story. And I'd much rather see a good story. I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if she's a lesbian, whatever, but like, don't say it just to the, just to say it. Sure. I, I would much prefer better storytelling. Cause I mean, yeah. there's, there's other, there's other gay characters in the arrow universe. Mm-hmm. that we spend time with Sarah on legends is bisexual. Yeah. Um, you had Mr. Terrific who was gay. Like it's not a new concept, but they're making it because I guess she's the main character of this. Mm-hmm. They're like hitting it over the head. Sure. It only becomes a big deal. If you make it a big deal, like, like it's fine that she's a lesbian. Like they could just go on. Like it's a, it's a normal thing. And right. Cause it is a normal thing. Like it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know. Just felt a little heavy handed. Mm, all right. So, and, uh, I'm not too thrilled about the flash this year either. No, no, 
I feel like, do you remember the year that they introduced Legends? Mm-hmm. And the other superhero TV shows had to fit that story into their season. Yes. That's what this feels like. Mm. We know that the crisis on infinite earth crossovers coming. They've been hitting it over our heads for the last year. Yeah. Like this is what next year's crossover is going to be. And we're going to build towards this, but everything's going to have to build towards it until the end of the right. crossover. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it takes away from whatever the flash storyline is going to be. Okay. I don't know if that's Godspeed and his different clones or yeah, the doctor guy that's trying to be death. Like who's the guy from, uh, heroes. Oh, is that who that guy is? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It it was all a little weird. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just reaching a saturation point with superhero TV shows. You might be. Which scares me because, like, Disney Plus is coming, and there's going to be a shit ton of superhero shows on there. Right. Maybe it's the CW aspect of it that's more geared towards a younger audience. Um... Yes. Because I feel like the MCU works to include a broader age range of people watching. Mm-hmm. And I feel like CW has the thing of like, we need to get like 18 to 28 year olds to watch. I don't know. I'm just a grumpy old man, I guess. I, I think you are. <laughs> Leave me alone. I think you are. So while we're talking about superheroes, yeah. I know you don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. Most people don't. No. Um, this could possibly be its last season. Oh, really? Yeah. They had the lowest ratings of all time last year. Oh. So anyway, so this this week's episode was David Harbour. Okay. Harbour from, from Stranger Things. And Hellboy. And Hellboy. Mm-hmm. He was really funny. Mm-hmm. And they did some some really good skits with him. The best one was the a trailer for the origin story of Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> that okay. was very close to the Joker. Okay. And you got to look it up. It was awesome. Okay. There's there's Keenan Thompson has Snuffleupagus, who's a pimp, <laughs> and Prairie Don is one of his hoes. Oh jeez. Um. Yeah, it it it's pretty funny. Wow. Okay. And the whole thing is like, you know, there's there's a shot of him going, "When you introduce me, could you call me the Grouch?" <laughs> and you see him in the trash can and everything. It's very funny. Worth checking out. Okay, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, David Harbour seems like a really like underrated actor. Yeah, I I think he is after seeing this. I mean, he sang it, it yeah, it surprised me. I mean, I'm I know that you're not a Hellboy fan, but I did watch his version of it. Okay. And while the film was an absolute disaster, he stands out as like if you want to pick one of the best things about this, it's, it's him. him. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, he's really good on Stranger Things. He pops up in really weird places. He was in like the Suicide Squad film for all of a minute. Yeah, he plays okay. he plays like a, a general or something in the military. Okay. But but like he's done all these little bit things and you're like, holy shit. OK, I've never I never even realized that that was him. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't know who he was during the first season of um, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things of like, I have to look him up and see what he's done. Right. And it's a ton. And I, he's been very like, I've listened to, to interviews with him and he's very like open about the fact that like Hollywood has fucked with him like mentally. And because you have like, there's that thing of like, everybody says you're going to be a leading man, but you don't get to be. And then like, right. He's in his forties now. And all of a sudden he's a leading man. He's like, I've had all kinds of like issues and like bringing awareness to that kind of shit. Hmm. And he's going to be in, um, uh, the, the black widow movie. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he was in, uh, he did Law and Order like everybody else. He was in Brokeback Mountain. He was. Yes, he played, he played Rand- Mountain Randall Malone. Okay. Uh, he was in Quantum of Solace, the the mm-hmm. James Bond film. Yeah. He was in the Green Hornet. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was on the TV show Pan Am. Oh, no, you watched that, that did you? No, I thought you did. I thought that was one no. Of those. Oh, never mind. No, it didn't last long. That was the one with Christina Ricci as yeah. a airplane stewardess. Yep, in the sixties or whatever it was. Yeah, he was in uh, the movie Parkland about the shooting of JFK. He was in the Equalizer, <laughs> the Newsroom, State of Affairs, Black Mass, Suicide Squad, uh, Hellboy, Stranger Things. He's doing something, a TV short called Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> I I don't know what that is, but okay. Hmm. All right. David Harbour delves into the enigmatic history of his legendary acting family as he examines his father's legacy and a role in a made-for-TV play. Huh? That's what it says. Okay. David Harbour delves into the enigmatic history of his legendary acting family as he examines his father's legacy and role in a made-for-TV play. And he plays David Harbour III, David Harbour Jr., and Frankenstein. So is he David Harbour Jr.? I don't know. No. He would be the third. Yes. Okay. Uh... Now I'm kind of interested in what his backstory is. Yeah, I didn't realize he was a legacy and have no idea who his father was. <laughs> See, we're learning stuff on this show. So, so, so from what I get, then the father was in this TV play about Frankenstein and he's playing his father playing Frankenstein. 
But okay, on his Wikipedia page, it says Harbor was born on April 10th, 1975 in White Plains, New York to parents Kenneth and Nancy Harbor. Both of his parents work in real estate. His mother in residential and his father in commercial. He attended high school in Armonk, New York. Along with Sean Mayer from Firefly and somebody else. Okay. I okay, so I don't know what the fuck that is then. <laughs> That's very strange. Maybe it's it's just it's got a trailer, but I'm not gonna watch it. But um, in the trailer, well, I guess that's him. I don't know. I I don't understand because all the pictures are like old timey Victorian era um Oh, okay. I don't know what this so is. So apparently it's a comedy special. Okay. So oh, it's a Netflix thing? Yeah. Okay, Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein. It says he plays himself in the present day, working to uncover more information about his father and his theater career, a question that's neither funny nor revealing. <laughs> okay. It isn't, its father's theater isn't bad in an interesting or funny way. It's just increasingly dull. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, sure. Well, that's strange. Well, there are stranger things. <laughs> wah, wah, but up, up. <laughs> so we were talking about crisis before. Uh-huh. Did you see what they announced this week? That uh, the the Tim Burton Batman films are going to be canon within the crisis universe? Really? Oh, I didn't see that. There is a newspaper apparently that's on set that talks about Bruce Wayne marrying socialite Selena Kyle, and the picture is Michael Keaton. Oh. And they just announced today that Robert Wool will be returning as Alexander Knox. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems like the CW wants to take every single iteration of Batman ever and okay. make a canon within the Arrowverse. Which is really weird. Did you see the pictures of Burt Ward on set? Yes. In the sweater? In the sweater. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, back to David Harbour really quick. Uh-huh. Um, it says that, that none of that story is real. Okay. His father was not a, a, a thespian. He said, it says his parents were Kenneth and Nancy Harbor, raised in White Plains, New York. Right. So it's just a comedy special. Just, But he's playing technically himself. Yes. Or a version of himself. A version of himself. Okay. Looking for his father's whatever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, okay. so another thing about Crisis uh-huh. is that there's rumors that Lucifer is going to appear. I saw that. And Lucifer is a character from DC. Uh-huh. He was on a, another 
had his own series and then he got moved to Hulu maybe I don't know uh, he's on but, I think it's on Netflix Netflix okay so they're saying that he could make an appearance because he sort of could have a connection to Constantine because Constantine deals with demons right and he's you know the father of demons the devil right just seems really weird that that's what they're doing yeah and it wasn't but if you're telling me that they're also going to make the the tim burton batman canon yeah which is better than joel schumacher (laughs) of course we could always get arnold to to come and do a uh oh it's mr freeze Freeze. um you know they were they were talking about um Somebody in the midst of all this, somebody jokingly said to um, one of the writers on Twitter, um, man, you really should have reached out to uh, Nicolas Cage to be Superman. Mm -hmm. And the dude's response was, what makes you think we didn't? (laughs) And I could just imagine like them sitting around a room being like, all right, who do we try to get into this thing? Go. Um. And, you know, it's it's weird because I, I don't know if we talked about this, but um, people were wondering why Michael Rosenbaum wasn't announced as coming back as Lex. Mm-hmm. And he made he made a point of making a social media uh, entry somewhere. I don't remember if it was Twitter or whatever it was where he said, oh, no, they reached out, but they wouldn't give me a script. They wouldn't tell me when or how long I was filming for. And they basically were going to give me less than scale. Oh, and he was like, I'm, I've got more respect for myself than that. And the work that we did on Smallville. Oh, so he's not in it by choice and not so much that, you know, cause it is a little fucked up where they're like, do you want to do it? Well, Mm -hmm. okay. How long is it for? And blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, well, we're just going to have you show up. Like, Hmm. I mean, not that Michael Rosenbaum's a big name, but like good on him for like standing up for himself. Yeah. When, you know, Tom Welling was just like jumped at the chance. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at the career he's had since then. Wasn't he on another TV show, though? Yeah. Didn't he do something recently? Uh, He did. Okay. And I can't remember. (laughs) He played a. Oh, God. What was that show? I can't remember now. Oh, geez. I'll have to look it up. Okay, hang on. Internet movie database to the rescue. Tom Welling. He was in Professionals? He was on Lucifer. Oh, that's what it was. (laughs) See, comes full circle. (laughs) There it is. Uh, He was also in Parkland with David Harbour. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> it all comes around. Yes. He was on Judging Amy. And then uh, he did a, one episode of Undeclared. And then he did Smallville, Cheaper by the Dozen, The Fog, Cheaper by the Dozen 2, and then... And well, and that's all while he was doing Smallville. Yeah. And then after Smallville, he's done like four things. 
So I guess, you know, whatever. He seems to have got a little puffy, though. Well, I think they all have. <laughs> I don't have to be a superhero anymore. I can let myself go. That's right. You seen Chris Pratt? <laughs> I mean, all they have to do is, is like not show them with their shirts off and they don't have to really work out. But that's it. That's what it's all about. Just kind of sh- like show that they're kind of in shape. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the trailer for um, Birds of Prey? Yes. Suicide Squad 2? Well, there is a a Suicide Squad 2. Yes. Yes. That I don't know if you've seen the pictures from the set. I don't believe I have. They're going real comic book. Like, okay. like the first Suicide Squad, they at least tried to like set it in the real world. Mm-hmm. And like, um, Pete Davidson is in it. Oh, oh, isn't that why he wasn't? Yes. Yeah. So it because he missed the the first episode of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So it's him, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. Yeah, because he's he's been friends with James Gunn for forever. Uh, oh. So anything that James Gunn does, you know, I think James Gunn sends out a call to either Elizabeth Banks or Nathan Fillion to try to get in those projects. And right. Michael Rooker. Um so it's it's and Michael Rooker is pro, is supposed to be in Suicide Squad too. But the pictures are are Nathan Fillion, um, um, Sean Gunn in a motion capture suit, uh, Pete Davidson, and like these really, really like the the suit that Nathan Fillion is wearing. You're like, oh, that looks like that came from a, a Halloween store. Like ah. it's really fucking. It looks bad, but apparently what they're doing is they're taking it from the idea that there's, there's more than one suicide squad and that, that this one gets wiped out pretty quickly and they have to put together another one of better superheroes or supervillains. Okay. And that's where you get like Idris Elba and, um, and Margot Robbie and those characters that are, coming back as like major stars. Okay. So, but you look at like, like there's one guy that's a comedian on YouTube that got cast and they were like, you know, he's not going to like have a serious role that, that, you know, follows throughout the entire movie. Like they're thinking that like, there's a big battle in the beginning, like the suicide squad shows up to, to take care of the problem and they all get wiped out. So Nathan Fillion plays a character called Arms Fall Off Boy? No, he doesn't. That's who they thought he was playing. Oh. Um, uh, pictures. Um, I forget. Uh... 
somebody else had put it, what he actually was going to be. It's not fall arm fall off boy. It's okay. Something else. Hmm. But I mean, do you see those weird pictures? Yes. Like, like the dude in the yellow and the blue. Yeah. Javelin. Yeah. Javelin. And then there's the chick, the, the red chick with the purple armor. Yep. And it's like, you you look at Captain Boomerang and you're like, oh, okay. In the first one, he was like the skeevy, like dirty looking dude. And this, he's now cleaned up and doesn't quite have like the dirty jacket. And it's still Jai Courtney and he's fucking terrible, terrible actor. But (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was because I looked at those pictures and I was like, oh, what the fuck are we doing? Like I, I have every, every faith in James Gunn because he is the guy that took the Guardians that nobody had really ever paid attention to and turned it into a big hit. So I was like, okay, maybe James Gunn can do something with Suicide Squad, and then you see these outfits, and you're like, oh, maybe not. Yeah, I, I can't find where. what his actual like Nathan Fillion's actual character name is but so like that would be the team and I don't know if Captain Boomerang would be wiped out with him because he was in the first movie or not mm-hmm. but like um, like that team would be wiped out and then they would like they'd still have a problem so they'd have to assemble another team mm-hmm. and then you get you know, Joel Kinnaman and Mark Margot Robbie and Michael Rooker. Okay. And Taika Waititi, who's they think is playing like King Shark. Yes. So another weird grab for a supervillain. <laughs> well, especially I mean, after they well... do it in the Flash. Right. So I I don't know. Bizarre. Well, I I'm interested to see how Birds of Prey is. Yeah, I I do like that. I mean, Harley Quinn came from the animated series, right? That's what her start was, and because of that popularity, she ended up doing, um, getting into comic books on her own, and then you know, obviously getting the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that they show her with a hyena. Right. Because that's like, you know, she has two pets, Bud and Lou, who are her hyenas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting that um, Renee Montoya is a character who is the, the police detective. Right. Um, who in the animated series worked alongside Bullock. Right. And I believe she's in The Dark Knight, too. Is she? Isn't she the one? Isn't isn't Montoya the one who has the mother in the hospital, and she's actually on like the Joker's payroll, mm. and kidnaps either Harvey or no, he she kidnaps um, Rachel. Don't remember. I'm pretty sure that's Montoya. Uh, but 
but go ahead. Keep talking. Um. Yeah, I don't know what point I was making. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I find it interesting that that Birds of Prey, because Birds of Prey on when it was the the short-lived TV show, the Birds of Prey were Oracle, Canary, Huntress, right, against Harley, sort of, because Harley never became Harley in that show. Right, she was still a. She was still the doctor. She was still a doctor, but it was alluded to that like shit was going on in the background, right? Right. I mean, it's been like a super long time since I've seen that TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I mean, the the trailer doesn't really go into the story other than that she's broken up with the Joker. Yes. And that she's trying to become her own person. Mm-hmm. Um, I did laugh at the thing at the end where they're trying to get away from the car and then the girl sitting next to her calls her a bitch or -hmm. something. And she was like, Oh, not a bitch. I'm this or that and that. And she hands her like the lit dynamite. Right. And she's like, can you throw this for me? Like, yes, I did chuckle at that. I thought that was funny because it does come very much off as, as like more and say what you want about Margot Robbie, but I feel like she embodies kind of the, the animated series version of Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not doing like an impression, but she's using that as a guide and right, kind of making it her own because, right. you know, they fucked up Harley with the tattoos and the, the different look, even though, you know, she's supposed to be this doctor and whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's dancing in the strip club in Suicide Squad, and you're like, uh, okay, that's kind of weird. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like DC is kind of stepping back now and saying they want to be different, like they want to differentiate their movies from the Marvel universe, and mm-hmm. they can do these things and put the same character into different movies and still have it play well and not so much like well this is connected to this and this is connected to this it necessarily doesn't have to be right and I think you're seeing that a lot with them now they just it's more about making decent films than Mm -hmm. than trying to connect everything right because that's definitely a Marvel thing but I don't know and since we're on a superhero jag today Yes. Um, I have a, a recommendation for you for a movie. Okay. I watched the movie Brightburn last night. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this. Um, I think so. So it was written by James Gunn's brothers and produced by James Gunn. Okay. And it's the story of what would happen if a... Superman type person came to earth as a child and decided to be bad instead of good. Oh, okay. And it is intense and it is gory and it is kind of fucked up. Okay. Um, it stars Elizabeth Banks because it's a James Gunn production. 
Um, it's got. Did, um, you did you ever watch Breaking Bad? No. So okay, there's a guy that played the uh, a character named Badger in Breaking Bad. He's in it. Um, but it's it's a story of this couple that can't conceive a kid, and um, one night a spaceship lands in their field. They live on a farm. I think it's in Kansas. Um, and it's, it's the city of Brightburn, Kansas. And, um, they decide to raise the kid. And on his 10th birthday, the ship that he's in starts sending out these signals and gives the kid these powers. And he's, he all of a sudden discovers he's got like super strength and can't be hurt. And the ship itself is speaking in an alien language and like putting the kid in a trance in the middle of the night. And the kid is like figuring out what the words are like throughout the film. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the final thing is like the ship is telling him to rule the planet. Oh, and he starts wiping people out and like, he likes a girl. Like I won't get into the whole thing, but like he likes a girl and she doesn't like him and she keeps calling him weird and calls him a pervert and he gets knocked down and she goes to help him up and he like breaks her hand. Okay. And, but like in a real graphic way where you're like, Oh, holy shit. They showed that. Um, but it's really well done. And it, it it's that question of, yeah, Superman is good, but what if he wasn't? And, in this universe, it doesn't look like there's anybody to stop him. <laughs> so it's, I thought it was really well done for like a low budget quote unquote superhero film. And I think you'd kind of dig it. Okay. And what's it on? Well, I watched it through my VPN. So, oh. um, I'm not really sure where you would find it. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So it's a, it was in the theaters. It, it was in yeah. the theaters, um, for okay. sure. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Oh, okay. It must be making the rounds by now. It came out in May. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's definitely a red box. Okay. So I'll have to look for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rated R so it's not there's language and there's definitely like horror elements kind of to it okay like you watch the boys mm-hmm. it's close to that like okay graphic wise okay yeah yeah it's it's pretty good I had seen the trailers when it was when it was coming up and I don't think if it played around here it was only like at night during the week. Like it wasn't a like a um a matinee type film because I didn't think they thought people would like go see it. Okay. But um it's uh it's pretty creepy. And it's it's different than the the normal superhero fare. So, 
Well, I will check that out at some point. I suggest you do. Uh huh. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> what else did you watch on TV this week? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched Emergence again. I don't think I'm going to watch it too much longer. Which one was Emergence? Emergences. There's a plane crash. And the only survivor is a little girl. Um, strange officials have come and completely cleaned up the accident site, so there's no trace of it, and there's all this weird stuff going on. Um, the little girl has some sort of powers. At the end of the first episode, we see her um, in the bathroom. She takes a knife and cuts into the back of her neck. <laughs> and... Okay. Um, pulls out this little tracking device type thing okay and throws throws it down the sink um this last episode they've added um terry quinn to the cast oh geez and um he's kind of the the crazy billionaire technology guy and possibly the girl is some sort of robot <laughs> and it's like uh <laughs> i'm We'll see. <laughs> there are other things on. Yeah. Um, evil that, okay. that has um, Emerson in it. Michael Emerson. Oh, okay. Is very disturbing. <laughs> Why? Um, this past episode, they somebody uh, calls the group about their boss being just insanely over the top unprofessional mean so forth so on um they go to interview him and he just seems like an asshole <laughs> so they kind of decide that there's, that there's really nothing to investigate and then um the woman who had called on him has webcams in his office so that she can make sure his blood sugar doesn't go down and you know that kind of stuff and she's shows the guy like screaming at himself at somebody named Bob and eventually his um, Siri starts talking to him in a strange voice <laughs> um, it's weird but it's kind of it's it's interesting the the um, the woman who is the um, <sighs> she's an expert witness for the DA's office and then she gets fired and they put Michael Emerson in that job and Michael Emerson when he's not around people like when he's one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. he's he's just he is evil hmm. he is totally evil um, so she tries to record a conversation with him because he's very cocky and he likes talking about himself and the recording has her side of the conversation uh -huh. and then static. Okay. So apparently he can't be recorded. Weird. And there's scenes of him with other characters where he's kind of looking over them, saying things into their ears. Um, it's really disturbing. Hmm. Really disturbing. We'll see where it goes. So is he supposed to be the personification of evil? Um, he is an evil force. Whether or not he is the Prince of Lies, we don't know yet. 
Man, he's just like leaning way into that, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you thought he was kind of fucked up on Lost, he's he's just an asshole. Yeah, it seems like like somebody like his his manager said you do creepy really well. Just read the script, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and because I don't know, like was person of interest. He played kind of like a sketchy dude too, didn't he? Um, I don't really remember. I didn't watch it that much. Oh, okay. Because I thought like he was, he was like Jim Caviezel was the more straight laced one and you didn't really ever know kind of what Michael Emerson was really up to. Yeah. Mm. So, and like, I think the first time I ever saw Michael Emerson was in the, the um, saw the, the original saw movie. Okay. Um, so he's always played like creepy, evil people. That just seems to kind of be his wheelhouse. Okay. Because I can't picture him being like, you know, the nice father figure. Right. <laughs> uh, although he played the Joker once. <laughs> in the animated uh, Dark Knight Returns, he was oh, okay. he was the Joker. He was a bad guy in Arrow. Uh, so Dark Knight Returns parts one and two, he was the Joker. He played Doctor Venom in GI Joe Renegades. He was in Lost. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he was ever the happy-go-lucky, like, sidekick guy. Hmm. Well, he's definitely found his niche being crazy. Yes. Yes, but that's good, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, everybody needs their niche. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. Cray-cray. <laughs> he's definitely got the face for it. Yes. Who's the creepy guy? Well, that's just Michael. <laughs> I'm sure he was told, like, oh, you'll never be a leading man. And he was sure he was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, right. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of internet buzz this week about, um, a, I don't know if it was an interview or whatever that Martin Scorsese, Yes. Um, basically slamming Marvel films. Yes. Apparently th this, I think is the second time he's done it. Th but this seems to be getting a whole lot of attention for some reason. Yes. Because he says they're not cinema. Cinema is about telling stories and emotions and connecting with people. And that's not what Marvel does. Marvel is splashy. Marvel is just like a theme park. It's like it's uh, movies for this particular generation. I, I I guess my problem. Look, I I have mad respect for Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Like nobody can say he's not a talented director. He's nobody can say he hasn't made thought provoking, in depth films. But it's like when people who make comedies call themselves artists, right? Like the, the use of the term cinema 
is mm-hmm. I think what bothers me about his statement. Okay. There are times when as an adult, you don't want to go see a movie that's going to make you feel bad about yourself Sure. or watch a movie that, you know, is about murder and death and, and, um, the mafia and worlds that you are based on violence and, and hurting people where you just want a good time. And I feel like Marvel and DC and the superhero genre adds that kind of good popcorn, fun movie going experience um, to people's lives. And the, the thing that I've seen online is people pretty much saying that Martin Scorsese's washed up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, just because Martin Scorsese isn't your cup of tea in his films also doesn't mean like chances are that the Marvel people like the Martin Scorsese audience isn't going to see Marvel films. Marvel, the Marvel audience isn't going to go see Martin Scorsese films. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a, there's a pretty hard divide there. And I feel like both camps can live simultaneously and not really have to bother each other. Like it's, it's, it's very weird that movies have become an us or them thing. Like an either, or you're either a comic book fan or you're a fan of fine cinema, which is, and, and Martin Scorsese is directly affecting this with his comments. Like, I think that cinema should be all all encompassing. You have room over here for Scorsese films and you've got room over here for um, comic book films and you have room over here for whatever else, the musicals. Like, I don't know. It just seems like in a world divided by stupid political things, cinema should not be one of those things that's divided. You just, everybody just needs to watch their fucking films and shut the hell up. Sure. I mean, I think they're losing sight of the fact that filmmaking or cinema was created as a diversion. Yes. It's entertainment. Yes. And, and the fact that there are these auteurs who will present thought provoking content is great but they shouldn't be so high and mighty that they say, you know, well, all this other stuff is garbage. Right. Right. It, it harkens back to that thing of, um, after the Academy Awards last year where Spielberg was talking about like, well, that movie was made by Netflix and that never went into the, the theater. So how can that win? And it was like, no, it's still a film. Like, the the interpretation of the fact that it didn't make money in a theater shouldn't take away from it any more than anything else. Like it's still a film. It was still made by a filmmaker backed by a studio, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So let it win an Academy award. This is kind of the same thing. All the, it seems to be the old school guard of filmmakers Right. Like, like that group of people, the, who was it? It was 
uh, Coppola and De Palma and Spielberg yep. and Scorsese and that group, George Lucas, that has a problem with modern day cinema. But it's interesting because Spielberg and Lucas are kind of the godfathers of the summer blockbuster and tentpole films and mm-hmm. that shooting of like shoot for the moon and see how much money we can get for our films and shit like that. Right. So it's weird that now that, and Martin Scorsese like has a film that's on Netflix. That's well, because nobody else would take it because it's like three hours long and nobody was like, yeah. and I, th- I think maybe he's a little butthurt at the fact that like, you know, Endgame is a three hour epic and is now the most successful movie of all time. Right. And nobody wants to go see three old guys get de-aged in another Martin Scorsese exactly. mafia film. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. I give mad props to Martin Scorsese, but he's got to like flow with the time here. Well, I think all of them do. But at the same time, I feel like the Marvel audience needs to cut him a little slack too. just be like, Hey, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, now, did you also hear the rant that Freddie Prince Jr. went off on about toxic Star Wars fans? I, I saw the headline. I didn't read the article. So he was talking about how because he was a part of Star Wars Rebels, he gets like hate mail from people. And <laughs> um, it's like, really? People are wasting their time sending hate mail to Freddie Prince Jr.? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, but he basically says that, you know, the reason for all this toxic hatred is because you're just not happy that this franchise isn't aging with you. And he said, you got to remember the original three movies were for kids, right? The prequels were for kids. These three movies, they're for a new bunch of kids, right? So it's great that you're very fanatical about this. But get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about that, too, of of the hatred for Jar Jar in episode one. Sure. And it was like, but you don't understand. These are kids films like this right. is not meant. This came out at a time when the people from the original like the, who were kids during the original trilogy now probably have kids of their own. Yep. And now we're doing another one so many years later that is for the kids of the prequels that now have kids and right. Well, I don't think what's been presented, especially in the last Jedi was very good. It's sure. still, it's still shot for the younger audience who is going to appreciate like the new way of shooting and the new comedy and, um, sure. You know, cause everybody is like, when I tell people that I'm a star Wars fan and that like, like I was three when the first films came out and, and I remember going to see them and all the shit people always say to me, Oh, you must've hated the prequels. No, I didn't. Right. Like I very much enjoyed episodes two and three. I'm not a huge fan of one. Um, mm-hmm. I like aspects of it, but 
it's not my uh-huh. favorite, but like seeing the arena scene at the end of um, Attack of the Clones and mm-hmm. all the Jedi fighting in their prime and the the troopers on the ground and the big battle that takes place that is epic star wars and mm-hmm. when people are like oh the prequels sucked and they only say that because they're the prequels it's like no you have to take them on a almost on a film by film basis and look at them and and really it, yes they're a lot of part of a larger story but they're also kind of need to stand on their own and I think that George Lucas was very good at crafting single stories and then trying to tie them together later on okay um he one of the things that handicapped him about the prequels was that he had set up all this shit in the original and then felt that he needed to pay it all off and sometimes that works. Sometimes it didn't. And right. like, you know, the, the whole thing with Leia remembering her mother and well, how could she remember her mother? Her mother died when she was born. And like, right. He's trying to tell a story, but at the same time, you have all those toxic star Wars fans that are like, well, the prequel sucked and this is why, and here's all the plot holes. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, just listen to the goddamn story and just live in the moment. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to matter if there's plot holes. Right. Like, it's just the story. And the the new ones are fine. Uh, we've talked about my problems with the new ones. Yep. But at the end of the day, I can sit down and I can watch The Force Awakens on its own and enjoy that film without having to deal with the baggage of the last Jedi. Sure. Like, I don't think I've sat down and watched the last Jedi all the way through since it was in the theater, but, and I don't know if I ever will again, but like, right. There are, there are things about the like force awakens and whatever, where I can sit down and be like, all right, this is a cool film, Mm -hmm. but it's stand it's standing on its own. So, I don't know. To- the toxic Star Wars fans are a weird bunch, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's a smaller group than we even think it is. Uh huh. But they're the most vocal, and yes, they're the ones that are willing to tell Jake Lloyd that he's a terrible fucking human being that drives him into a crazy whatever the fuck is wrong with him. Uh huh. Like. I'm sure if if you had 99 Star Wars fans or 100 Star Wars fans, 99 of them would be like, "Dude, don't listen to anybody else. You're you were fine. You were like nine, like like right. for, for a nine year old, you did fine." Yeah, like it was a kids movie. It was a kids movie, and you were also in a movie that, while George Lucas is great at visuals, is not a very good writer of dialogue. Sure. And he's not he's not the great at directing actors to show emotion. And the only the only way to, to you can see that is because Jake Lloyd didn't do very well, fucking Samuel L. Jackson didn't do very well, Natalie Portman didn't do very well in those films and you're like mm-hmm. those some of those people are like Academy Award winners. Like what happened? Right. right. The common bond there is that they were all directed by Lucas. Right. So 
you know, the Star Wars fans, as much as they they hate Ryan Johnson, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. And oh, they should bring George back. It's like, mm, yeah, he could craft the story, but he needs to have people write dialogue for him. Right. He needs people to help him with the story too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Empire. Empire is arguably the best film of the entire saga. And it was directed by Irving Kirshner. Irving Kirshner. It's got the least amount of dialogue in it. Yep. But it's got the biggest punch when it comes to like story and emotion and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even Return of the Jedi being filmed by, um, what's his name? What was his name? Richard Marquand? Yes. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like there's a there's a behind the scenes special called um, from Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a saga. I used to have it on like a videotape mm-hmm. and I watched the shit out of it because I'm a sucker for like behind the scenes making of stuff. And while they showed this dude on set directing, Lucas was always over his shoulder. Right. And it was always like he was helping plan shots and stuff. And it was like, well, maybe the things would be a little different if George would have stepped back a little bit and allowed a filmmaker to have his take on it. Right. Like he did Irvin Kirshner. Cause if you, mm-hmm. if you have Irvin Kirshner and like you back away, you get empire strikes back. Right. So I, I don't know, but then you look at the, the prequels and you know that it was him by himself writing the story and coming up with all the stuff and they're not the best films, but it's also, they're not the worst films either. They're not Mm -hmm. raping your childhood. Like all those fucking people talked about, but whatever. Yeah, I would agree. Jesus. (laughs) Sure. (sighs) Whatever. Just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy, for Christ's sake. That, that's it. That's it. Don't get on actors because they were acting in a movie you don't like. Except for Seth Rogen. Why? What's wrong with Seth Rogen? I don't know. He destroyed the Green Hornet for me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I were a stoner, I would find him very funny, but I don't. <laughs> so there. Did you Did you ever see the film that he did... Um, what is it called? This is the end where they're all playing themselves. Yes. That's pretty funny. Eh. I'm not a huge Seth Rogen fan either, but like that one's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another end of the world type movie. Right. But very strange. Oh, well. All right, you got anything else for this week? No, I think this was good. All right, well, if you got, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. Come on, say something. No. You're supposed to say now. something funny at the end. I know, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> <laughs>